Oh, Lord. Ah, morning suck. Michael? Oh, come on, man. You were supposed to be the one opening up. Michael? What the hell was that? I've been training in the art of Terraskazi. You've been training in Terraskazi? Yeah. Couldn't you tell? Oh, I was assuming you were going to show me that later. What that was looked kind of like Zumba and maybe a little bit of a seizure. Uh, well, I, I just found an old VHS and I've just started. Okay, it's, it's all right. I'll get you your medicine. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking club. Welcome back, scoundrels, to another episode of Cloud City Casino, um, a very long, long overdue episode of Cloud City Casino. I blame Nate. It's not his fault, but I blame him. Uh, oh, it, it is absolutely totally my fault. It is, is absolutely 100% my fault. Oh, really? Uh, at least I think so. I'm, you know, beginning of the school year. Phone calls every night for hours and hours and hours. Um, um, waiting for the baby. Lots of appointments. It's It's been a busy time. Finishing the final edition of the Star Wars Timeline Gold to get that project kind of, you know, off the plate. It's, I don't know. I've been crazy busy. If, if you've been busy, I haven't noticed because I've been too busy to notice your busyness. Oh, okay. So I oh, take yeah. the blame. It's okay. Well, there you go, Nate. Your fault. See, everyone, you heard him. Because uh, he can't <laughs> fire me because he knows that I'm why people listen. <laughs> That's also <laughs> true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this episode, I figured we, we mentioned like a couple quick things, but I thought we would just make this another, um, like, I guess, retrospect, retrospective, retrospect, Retro yeah, retrospective. We're, we're, we're going to look at a game That's that came out a long time ago. How about that? There you go. Yes. A game that came out the year. Actually, the, the the same time just about when I put out the first edition of the Star Wars Timeline Project back in the day, because this would have been something that came out in October of 97 when I was starting senior year of high school. So don't I feel old if the games that were played in my high school era were like this one? Yeah, so 21 years old next month. That's right. It would be old enough to drink while it makes you want to drink. That it does. I was I was gonna make a joke about how this was a beloved classic, but um, it's not. It's so. So so. What's new? You said there's some new news we want to get out there before we dive into the retrospective aspect. That's most of the show. So what's the new news? You said wait, like did you say nude news? I said new. Oh, news. sorry. This new Skype's not the best. No, it is definitely not. I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with your hearing, though. That's just that's that's it. What is it that uh, George McFly said? It's your density. Uh, yeah, it's probably right. Okay, so the only thing I've really got is that Clone Wars is going to be an X-wing. Woohoo! Or should I say swing? Because you know, in Chinese, the X pronounced like an SH, so X-wing is actually swing. <laughs> Right. So here's the thing. We've had Clone War ships in X-Wing in the past, mm -hmm. but the the characters were um, like 
they w- weren't from that era. They were from, I guess, the the Rebellion era or the Civil War, Galactic Civil War era. Mm-hmm. Now what we're getting is actual characters. For instance, the uh, Jedi Starfighter will be piloted by Anakin Skywalker. Yep, and that's actually, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, they've kind of, it, there was a little bit of concern that I had when they got to the point of announcing 2.0 that maybe part of the whole process of revising the rules and whatnot and sort of streamlining the process and kind of giving an overhaul to the game in general was partly that they were running out of new ships because, boy, were they using some obscure ones eventually. Um, And in essence, this was a chance to sort of bring more life into it, uh, despite the fact that, you know, again, they were kind of running out of ships. Um, So I don't know. It it opens things up, although it kind of makes me wonder. I mean, I'm assuming this is going to mean more factions, the same way that we dealt with, that we're dealing now with Resistance and First Order as separate factions, as opposed to all being under the umbrella with their earlier chronological counterparts. But I'm for it. I mean, anything that's going to give more longevity. It's not like this was a game designed around continuity. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it, it's it's not. The mi- the mismatch, the mismatch, the mix mash, mi- <laughs> the, the, the mixing. There the you monster go, mash? Of, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the mixing of eras in a game like this, I don't see as, you know, I don't, I don't see where anybody would be complaining that, it's just another way to add some more longevity and more ships to the game. Right, right. So I'm excited about it. Of course, you know, we've got, um, I guess, let's see, will it be by this time? Point either, I'm not sure what date is. No, I guess it'll be, uh, it won't be by the time this comes out. So next month, 2.0 will be coming out. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dive in more into that at that point. But, yep. yeah, for now, that's... That's all I really have to, to oh. mention on it. Well, then then I would just mention another thing we'll probably see coming up in the near future, stuff that is on the way to me in the mail at the moment, uh, and one that just arrived. We did have the release, finally, of Cyphers and Masks for Age of Rebellion. That was the last of the source books they had actually announced. So now we're waiting to see what comes next. Um, but that is finally out. And then uh, apparently on store shelves, because they're in the mail to me right now, the Han Solo and Rebel Commando expansions for Legion have come out, um, as have the next wave of expansions and expansion material for Imperial Assault. Uh, so the Lothal uh, adventure is now out, but so are all the other little bits and pieces, the villain packs, ally packs. Um, as soon as they arrive, I'll get videos up onto my YouTube channel taking a look at them. But I'm sure that's another thing for us to to discuss in the future, perhaps looking at the different you know, maybe Imperial Assault expansions and what they kind of add into the mix and that sort of thing. But uh, if you're into Legion or Imperial Assault, if you're into the ground-based combat mini-games for Star Wars, there's new stuff out, apparently, as of this week here as we're rounding out August. Awesome. So uh, one one other quick question for you. Did you ever get into uh, that uh, Galaxy of Heroes? I did not. Um... Not yet. I, I may. Uh, I've upgraded iPads, so perhaps I will jump into that. I just haven't played around with it. Um, I was expecting you to to hit me with the have you tried out the Han Solo card game? Because in case, folks, you didn't see this. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing I did. 
he's got this and, and it's kind of one of those things where, where it's just kind of the, the, the random acts of kindness. Right. I think kindness is the right word. <laughs> is it kindness? Um, Does that qualify? Where basically he was like, he was like, hey, dude, have you have you tried the that Han Solo game that sort of replicates the Sabacc from from Solo? Have you tried it? He actually more like sent me a picture of it. I was like, have you tried this? Um, but that doesn't really work as audio. So he says, How do you, have you tried this? I'm like, no, I haven't. He's like, okay, I just ordered it for you. It's on the way. I'm like, what? <laughs> so uh, it has arrived. Looks kind of neat. Uh, first thing my wife noticed was that the dice um, look like the dice that are now hanging off the uh, uh, the rearview mirror in my car. So we've got the little you know dice to go with it. Um, looks interesting. We'll have to talk about it sometime. It's sort of a um, uh, it's, it's it's almost like a reverse blackjack kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about it now, especially because otherwise he'll be like, what did I get it for? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, Hey, you haven't done a YouTube video on this. You, <laughs> you <go>. should. <laughs> I want to see. In fact, maybe I can, maybe I can make that my next YouTube video. Cause my next YouTube video, um, if you count the ones that are currently Patreon only that are all on that same account, just sort of hidden, um, it would be my 1138th youtube video oh that's awesome so there you go that's also a crap ton of youtube videos <laughs> yes yes it is but four thousand plus subscribers can't be wrong oh yes they can it's youtube <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully they're not hopefully they're digging it but but if you're um, wrong they will tell you about it oh that is true that is true even if you're even if you're not wrong they'll still tell you that you are right um so speaking of things that were just wrong Transition, transition. <laughs> um, let me say, let me give you a little bit of, bit of a, sort of a, a context here for me. Okay. Um, as we're getting into the topic of this episode. So it's the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. Um, at the time, I was someone who was huge into fighting games. Uh, the reason that we picked up a Super Nintendo was Street Fighter 2 back in 92 or so. Uh, like late 92, early 93. And I can't even tell you how many different copies of Street Fighter 2 I've bought over the years. Hell, for the Switch that we just got recently, we've already got two copies of wow. Street Fighter 2 of some kind. The 30th Anniversary Edition plus the Ultra, whatever the heck they call it, edition. They and have released many that game so many times. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. all the Street yeah. Fighter games. I mean, they've released, like, Street Fighter 4 multiple times. Yep, Super Ultra. Hey, Street Fighter 4 is the only game I still own for my 3DS. Because I like playing Street Fighter in 3D. So, um, but suffice to say, I was big into that, you know, big into the Mortal Kombat franchise at least up until the last time they reissued number three. Four kind of left me cold. Um, but basically, in the Super Nintendo era, the Genesis era, I was big into the fighting games. And even now, I only own two physical disc based um, games of any kind. For PlayStation 1, which was a system I never even owned. I always played them on my PlayStation 3, this backward compatible with PlayStation 1 discs. Um, to give you a sense of how it's not really the quality always, it's just the fact that I loved fighting games. The other fighting game that I own is Street Fighter the Movie, the game. Yes, where you play as Jean-Claude Van Damme himself in a really bad take on Street Fighter. And yet... In a lot of ways, that was still a more playable game, at least for me, because I was big into the 2D games, at least, full disclosure there, um, than the one we're looking at here. Um, because it is often regarded as one of the worst fighting games ever made. Um, although I actually, on replaying it today, 
I don't think it necessarily earns the moniker of one of the worst fighting games. It's certainly not a great one. Probably not a good one. And its premise is weird. But it's oddly enjoyable to some degree now with, you know, the ability to look back 20 years on the thing. You've probably guessed what it is, Michael. What is our retrospective topic? We talking about Star Wars, Masters of Terraskazis. Yes, Masters of Terraskazis. You thought for a second I was talking lightsaber duels, didn't you? No, that's not 20 years. Lightsaber duels is like 10 years, although it does play better than Terraskazis. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I don't, my history with the game was that I actually got this pretty late. I mean, I didn't get this when it first came out. I didn't have a PlayStation 1. Um, it was only after the Force, uh, the Force Unleashed 1 came out when I wound up getting a, uh, a PlayStation 3 that I hunted this down once I realized that the PlayStation 3 could play old PlayStation 1 games. And they've re-released a lot of them as PlayStation 1 classics, but not Masters of Terrace Kasi. Surprise, surprise, surprise! Um, so in this case, you'd actually still have to be playing it on physical disc. Um, but for me, it was like a curiosity. Like I always wondered about this. I loved fighting games for so long. Why not try it out? But it had to have been pretty far along after the game came out that I ever actually got a chance to play it. Um, did you play this back on the original PlayStation? Were you playing this at the time? Or is this kind of like with me? This is something you just got as a curiosity later. So this was actually my very first PlayStation 1 game. Really? I yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I I basically um my brother and I used money we'd gotten for Christmas maybe. Um and we went in together, got a PlayStation, and then um you know, we didn't really have any more money at that point. Uh so we just pretty much played the the demos for like a week or two or whatever until um we could end up getting another game. And so this was the first one that I got. And I actually at the time loved it. I mean, I didn't know any better, but I loved it. Um I stayed up that first night until I beat Darth Vader. Which is kind of ridiculous uh which we'll we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll mention later on um because i mean that was a the thing there was no internet so uh, you know when this was my first game i didn't have a, a any sort of like book or whatever i i pretty much just had to use to any combos or anything i had to learn i had to look at the uh the actual little insert booklet to be like okay how do i do this and and learn it from from that which is crazy because to, today those insert booklets are usually just like a piece of paper folded in half and it's like, eh, if you have questions, go online, stupid. Well, they did have an aspect of this. The uh, the guide for this one, the little uh, uh, instruction booklet inside the case, which thankfully in my case is still intact, uh, it does have a hint line. If you need a hint, you may call our automated hint line. <laughs> this service costs 95 cents per minute, requires a touchtone phone, and you must be at least 18 years old or have your parents' permission to call. The number is 1-900-740-JEDI. Uh, the option to speak with the live hint operator is also available from this number. Average call length is three minutes, so almost three bucks. Um, so I'm trying to do the math here. So you are – I want to say we're, we're separated by what? I guess eight years or so? in age. So would this have made you basically like late elementary school? 
when this came out? They're like early middle school-ish? I would have been nine years old. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. So elementary school. That's what I was thinking I was doing the math right, but I was kind of like, well, not really sure. I'm still thrown by the fact that you that that you were born on June 8th, which is very appropriate given that my hometown has suffered mm. many, many uh, crazy storms and stuff on June 8th to the point where June 8th kind of has like a – uh, almost a superstitious connotation to it. So to wind up podcasting with somebody who was born on June 8th, it kind of is like, great, what disaster is this going to be? Uh, and you get to hear the disaster every time you release a new episode. Um, so uh, I guess the thing about this game, I think you hit the nail on the head to some degree there in the idea that um, the the booklet is where you had to turn. Like this game does nothing to actually teach you the moves. Um, there's a practice mode. But the practice mode is just there to basically let you play around against a dummy character that's not doing anything um, while it shows what your inputs are on the screen. So if you accidentally pull something off, you can see what it was. But if you really want to pull off the special moves and things like that, or even some of the moves that are uh, called command moves, they're not like special moves, but they're moves that require specific inputs that are different than the regular attack. Like uh, when Luke does his, uh, uh, it's kind of like a haymaker type thing with his lightsaber across someone's neck it's not actually um a special move per se but it's a command input um some of those are in the guide but not all of them or at least in the instruction manual not all of them i actually wound up picking up prima's official hints and tips um from the secrets of the game series for masters of Terrascasi, the strategy guide and i think the difference in playing the game is night and day um Playing the game just normally without any kind of guide is going to suck. It's really difficult to get a feel for. The inputs are kind of slow and clunky, very deliberate to pull them off, and even then it may not. Not as hard as the original Street Fighter that became Fighting Street. That's a ridiculous game to try to pull off special moves in. Um, not Street Fighter 2, Fighting Street slash Street Fighter. Um, this one's almost to that point in some for some of the moves – but once you've got the instructions, it's a little bit easier because you know at least some of the moves you can do. But the guide, there is such a huge swath of possible moves with all of these characters, both with and without the weapons drawn, that if you know how to use them and deliberately focus on using them instead of playing kind of by instinct, um, you can actually get some pretty solid fighting out of this game. But you had to spend what? Let's see. Uh, you had to spend an extra, I'm looking for, oh, they don't have the, there it is, it's up in the corner. You had to spend an extra $12.99 in the U.S., $17.95 in Canada, or $9.99 in the U.K. to get a guide to tell you what the flipping moves were, <laughs> which was kind of the thing for fighting games at the time. I, Again, I bought probably a good two or three different guides just to Street Fighter II over the years as it was iterating, and I probably had two or three different guides to some of the other. I, I still have guides to the original Killer Instinct games sitting in the closet. Um, it's just a weird era in which you can't just press the start button and look up a moves list, which is sort of the staple of fighting games, really, for what, two, three or more game generations now? Right, right, yeah. But, I mean, that that's the thing is then um, it was just it was just such a different time. And, and here's the thing as well. Um... Because, I mean, this was when you started to, I mean, even on the back of it, because I have the, uh, mine's the original one, not the uh, greatest hits. I don't even know if they made a greatest hits version of it. Because I mean, Nice, that, I, same one I'm looking at. Isn't that lying? Uh, 
but I mean, they even say intense 3D fighting in that galaxy far, far away. So the yeah. the fact that it was 3D um, mm-hmm. and and not two dimensional was a big deal at that time. I mean, this this oh, yeah, was... that's like Virtua Fighter and stuff like that mm-hmm. at the time. We were just getting to that point in like the mid 90s, right? So this was actually the first game. I'm pretty sure this was the first game that like first Star Wars game. Um, that was released on the PlayStation. And so they were, you know, they were really taking it on, um, not really knowing if it was going to work or not. But uh, apparently I was reading some some interviews and stuff, and apparently they were, like, super confident about it. They're like, oh, yeah, this is, it's like, this is a win-win. It's like, <laughs> whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so much. Right. Um, but, I mean, that, that is actually one of the things that it takes me some getting used to when playing this game because even today most of the fighting games that i'll play i tend to like the 2d i mean whether it's the ultimate marvel series except the or, or not ultimate marvel marvel versus capcom uh series not so much the last one um or uh, things like injustice gods among us and its sequel those are still essentially 2d games they're 2d fighters um, so just the ability in this game to sidestep and not even just sidestep if you and kind of I think it's like virtual fighters the one I'm thinking of if you get knocked down you don't immediately jump back up you can still use the sidestep controls while you're on the ground to roll out of the way of specific command attacks designed to attack you while you're on the ground if you've got the guide to know how the heck to pull them off um, I was thinking so that was pretty easy though I was thinking it was like a, one of the top directional button like one of the uh like r or whatever and then you would like point the direction or am i thinking incorrectly there well I, it depends on the character there's different command ones that that i mean certainly they weren't particularly um difficult it's just that it wasn't necessarily consistent from character to character mm-hmm. so you had to kind of get a feel for what would work with that particular character you were playing as um one thing that i would say really stood out in this game for me even playing it today that kind of makes it different than most fighting games, although I've seen this mechanic um, in other games over the years, but not nearly as often, is the fact that Masters of Terrorist you start out with your main characters. you got to Arden Lin, Boba Fett, uh, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Leia Organa, Chewbacca, Thok the Gamorrean, and Hor, H-O-A-R, people, <laughs> Hor the Tusken Raider. Yeah. Um, and this was 1997. And, <laughs> like, yes, this was in the height of the Clinton pregnancy. Or, or the, the Clinton pregnancy? Pregnancy. <laughs> Um, Freudian I mean, slip much? That was, that was accidental. I, I have pregnancy on the brain. My my apologies. Um, but no, I mean, this was... Um, they, they, there's two, I guess there's two game mechanics. One that's a little more common and one that's still kind of uncommon that you see in this game that really kind of surprised me. One is that with this relatively small group of eight starting characters, you can actually do things that will unlock other characters. Um, if you finish the arcade mode with Luke on standard or Jedi difficulty, you get Darth Vader to play as from then on on your save file. Um, complete the game in arcade mode with Han wait, Solo wait, on standard save or Save file. Save file. No, see, yes. I, I didn't have that. I had to oh. go anytime I wanted to play oh, with friends. Yeah, because I, I didn't have a, a memory card. Like I said, I got just the console. And, and you didn't get a memory card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because... Here's the thing. So it was uh, for myself and my brother. So I had to buy a second controller. That was mandatory before we bought anything else. Oh, this is true. Ouch. Uh, So yes, well, so if you had a memory card, Mm -hmm. you could unlock and keep unlocked 
Uh, and if it's uh, if you finish it with Han on Standard or Jedi, it's a Stormtrooper basically, but it's basically just Han's moves. Um, for Leia, Leia's regular version in the game is her in the bush outfit um, from Jedi. Whereas if you uh, complete the game in arcade mode as her uh, with Standard or Jedi difficulty, then it's basically Slave Leia um, with the same moves. Um, there are if you are on, let's see. Uh, if you press and hold down L1, L2, and R2 as you enter the team battle mode on Jedi difficulty, you'll see the words "the battle for Mara Jade" appear. And defeat the opposing team, and you get Mara Jade. She's basically Luke Skywalker with one or two differences in moves. Um, Jodo Cast, the only one I haven't unlocked on mine. Um, go into survival mode and defeat seven or more characters, um, and you'll get Jodo Cast, which basically has the same moves as Boba Fett. Um, and there's an arena select. Uh, so it's basically you complete the game in arcade mode with Chewbacca on standard Jedi, and then you can set uh, in either practice or versus, you can set which arena you're in. And it has cheats, things like big head mode, super deformed mode, uh, life regeneration, auto blocking, stuff like that. Um, kind of some cool little bits and pieces. So that's one mechanic, which is the idea of unlockable characters. You don't see that as often now, uh, unless it's pay to unlock these characters. <laughs> um, but also the other thing was the mechanic of the weapons. Every character has a weapon that when you hit R2, um, not the droid, not not punching, <laughs> like, but if you hit the, the, the bottom right shoulder button, um, you pull out some type of weapon. But I right. think that is where the game had the biggest frustration for a lot of people because some of these weapons are like lightsabers that act like bats, right? That's th th this this popularized the bat saber concept, I think. Um, but other characters, they're pulling out like blaster rifles, blaster pistols, all these long range weapons, which from a fighting standpoint, I mean, it's kind of like the difference between a character like Zangief and Ryu uh, or Zangief and Kin in Street Fighter, right? Some of them have special moves that are distance for zoning and some of them don't. Uh, some of them are more close quarters. But in a game like this in particular, it seemed like that was a huge, huge like class difference between tiers of characters to play as. Um, but the fact that it's it's 1997 and they're giving us a Star Wars game that isn't just you play with your weapons and that's it, but the ability to draw and put away the weapons at will with different move sets, that's actually kind of impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's unfortunate that they decided to never tackle it again because I think that for their first outing, they got close, you know? I, I think that they had a good idea they just needed to figure out the balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say that I think to me, the frustrating part when playing is, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's because I'm playing on the PS3. I'm playing on, if it helps, a PS3 Super Slim that basically now is just a glorified Blu-ray and Blu-ray 3D player um, for the most part for me. But it seems like there's a lag to the inputs. Um, noticeable enough that it feels like you have to be more deliberate than you are in most fighting games. Um, like trying to input the command, let's say for um, Luke's, oh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of one that uses the so-called fireball type motion. Let me see. Um, or like, okay, so if you want to do a quick blast, a sonic quick blast with Arden Lin, it's back forward triangle. 
right? It's similar to many back forward movements in, in fighting games where you hit a button at the end. But you kind of have to be more deliberate about the back and forward motion in order to get it to work. And that includes when you've got instances where you're rolling, you know, down, down, forward, forward, the typical like Hadouken kind of move. Um, but when you get to the moves that require you to do something more like a, a dragon punch in Street Fighter, Shuriken, where you it's basically down, forward, down, forward, where it's almost like your fingers kind of looping around. Um, it's almost impossible in this game because of how deliberate you must be. And when you're playing practice mode, you can see you yourself doing the exact correct inputs. And unless the timing is perfect, it's still not carrying out the the attack. That's why I tend to lean toward the idea that this has some some seeds of the old original Street Fighter in it somewhere, where the super moves are just more difficult to pull off than they should be. But I think it's just that deliberate feel, and I'm not sure if that was intended and, and kind of inherent his style of fighter, because I didn't play the 3D fighters as much, um, or if it's a flaw in the fact that there's a, an input delay do you are are you running into the same thing do you get that same feel and do you and given that you played it on the original playstation does it play different now than it used to when it's being played on a ps3 with backward compatibility uh i mean it to my memory it was always clunky (laughs) you know i i don't remember it ever really being smooth per se Uh, i mean i suppose when i first got it but i mean i was thinking even then i was like man this is hard this is not you know, trying to get this stuff to, to work just right doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like it uh, is doing what it should. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard to say, but I, I think, yeah, it's it's just always been bad. Well, I think that it's, I mean, again, trying to be, you know, glasses half full, at least a little bit here, right? Um, I will say that one thing that I think it had going for it that most fighting games these days don't, is that with it being a um, a 3D fighter, most of your fights are on some type of platform, even if it's a platform that makes no sense, <laughs> realistically, conceptually, um, which basically meant that you won two different ways. Kind of like, uh, I guess what, I guess wrestling works now. Like not, not WWE, not acting wrestling, but like wrestling hey, wrestling. Are you, are you where, making fun of? WWE? Am I making fun of WWE? No, it makes fun of itself plenty. I don't hey, need to. Um, I will drop an elbow on you, boy. Now, now, if you do that, do I get some kind of Actors Guild pay? for Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, actually, it makes perfect sense because Atlanta is becoming more of like a Hollywood type of place with all the movies in production. Maybe we'll get some of our own fake wrestling. I mean, our own wrestlers. Um, but no, the, the point being... That uh, you can either essentially tap somebody out, meaning that in this case you get their life bar down to zero or their life lightsaber kind of thing down to zero, or you can actually just knock them out of the ring. And most fighting games have essentially just the hard walls of the, the edge of the screen as it scrolls, and hitting the edge doesn't really do anything unless it's something where the edge becomes a mechanic, like say with Chun-Li uh, in the Street Fighter games where she can jump and jump and bounce back off the wall and that sort of thing. Um, so it does add a bit more to the strategy of how you're playing, uh, particularly with characters like Boba Fett that have almost a, a psycho crusher uh, uh, diving forward through the air, uh, head first, uh, M. Bison or Raiden style attack. Um, this idea of, of, as you close the distance, trying to keep pushing the enemy back, because if you're not aggressive, you could be essentially pushed off the edge and boom. You're done. It's not um, 
the, the, the being backed into a corner isn't really being backed into a corner in this because that's not just a, a difficult position to be in. It could be round ending immediately if you fall off the edge. Mm-hmm. And that I thought was kind of a an, an, an interesting way of approaching it. It's not a lot of fighting games do that these days. Um, so playing that took a little bit of getting used to again when I got back into playing this recently just to kind of get a feel for it. Um, I don't know. It, it, it almost feels cheap to some degree, though. Because um, there's a part of me that says, well, okay, but what's it doesn't take the same type of skill to win in a moves versus move or combo versus combo type of fight. And yes, there are tons of combos listed in the guide. I can pull off some of them, and some of them are too clunky, um, <laughs> right. at least for my little fingers. Um, no, it's it's not just you. It's it's not just me. <laughs> um, but that's that's a particular level of skill versus just I'm going to keep pounding the buttons and, and randomly pushing you towards the edge of the screen until you fall and die. But I could see where there would be strategy involved in the latter too. So I'm not sure if it cheapens the mechanics or if it just makes them more complex. It certainly gives it a different feel than a lot of the fighting games I'm used to. Right. Um, and I just want to say this real quick because I, I was, I was going to say it uh, beforehand and I actually just realized it's not true. But I was going to say that, or you know, I think I actually already said, I'm like, oh, you know, they, they didn't do uh, fighting games after this, uh, other than, of course, you mentioned the um, the Wii game, the lightsaber mm-hmm. duel. Lightsaber duel, yeah. And stuff I was looking at, like I want to say even Wikipedia said there wasn't. But here's the thing, that's not true. I just Correct. remembered Star Wars um, Episode Three had a, yep. a, a multiplayer uh, fighting style game that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was actually really good. And speaking of games with other modes for fighting, if you got the Force Unleashed one on the Wii, you had a dual mode between major characters that you could play. Um, and I want to say um, that carried over to some of the other um, the other ports of the game. Uh, and I think there was even like an almost Smash Brothers esque type of fighting thing. With, I don't consider Smash Brothers a, f- a true fighting game, so you know, really? hate Why? me, hate me, because it just—it's all about knock knock your enemy off the platform. It doesn't feel like a fighting game to me. It feels like a footing game, but th- that's just a different type of fighting game. So no, it's the... just not something I've been able to get into. Okay. Um, I think that there's sort of a different, there's sort of a there's a multiple genre thing. Like, was it PlayStation Heroes or whatever it was? Um, that and like the the smash brothers games i kind of feel like are one very niche subcategory of fighting games if that whereas most others fit into a much bigger complex um uh complex complex system mm-hmm. but common system style put it that way mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah you had those and uh and just just lightsaber duels itself is often overlooked but it i, I think it's funny because the things that that bother me about this game actually work for me on lightsaber duels because i actually really kind of like lightsaber duels um and i liked it particularly when it came out uh, it was about 2008 i guess Uh um because but but what here it's you got to be so deliberate that it's frustrating whereas with that game it can easily be a waggle fest and it's not a lot of fun because you're going to get your butt kicked because all you're doing is just swinging your arm randomly but it shows you how to do combos I'm, i'm sorry it can be a what now a waggle fest. You never heard that phrase before. I have never heard that phrase. It's when before. you're u- when you are using a motion controller and instead of actually doing deliberate movements, you're just swinging it around or waggling it around, hoping that something happens. Okay. Uh, which is what many Wii games turned into. 
Um, <laughs> but this, it's a waggle fest. You've never heard waggle fest. Before. Yeah, but you're talking about a waggle fest and and Wii games and like my five year old brain is. Yes, no, no. <laughs> to immature. use a dated <laughs> reference, I think a waggle fest <laughs> is a uh, a holiday uh, at Fraggle Rock. Mm. So, or, or should I say, down at Fraggle Rock. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so so just in that game, you need to be very deliberate to do the combos because it needs to sense the motions as one motion after another instead of just kind of mixed together. But once you get a feel for those combos, the fighting can actually be pretty fun. And you can actually use some precision in what you're doing. It's it's only as pre- as precise as Wii games tended to be, which is not amazingly so, unless it's just using the pointer like the Wii version of Resident Evil 4. But just from the standpoint of uh, of a game that just never got its due because it was it it, it was said to not be deliberate enough. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of deliberate control if you're actually planning on trying to play it and win and use the combos and such. Whereas this game, it, it's that it, it made me appreciate it for lightsaber duels, but for some reason it's hard for me to appreciate the deliberate nature of the gameplay in this one. Um, even though I think in in essence it's kind of the same thing. They want you to be precise. They want you to be slower in your inputs. Maybe maybe it's just the Street Fighter fingers just fighting against that in this type of game but but lightsaber duels is definitely worth a shot if you've never tried it because it's i actually you know, have not so i that's something i should probably you have, to, you have to try it here sometime i still got the wii u in the other room that basically never gets used but yeah you gotta try it okay yeah we'll, we'll, we'll have to do that because that's i mean that's the thing is you know there have been so many star wars games and and a lot of them just aren't you know marketed very well and they just um were forgotten about or never even known about, you know. So, well, um, that one had the that one had the the misfortune. I'll say disfortune. I don't think it's a word. <laughs> uh, the misfortune of also being released alongside Jedi Alliance, which was actually a particularly good Clone Wars game for the DS. Okay. And at the time, the we and the DS were both huge. But if you had to choose between the two, I think the DS at that point was still the stronger selling point for Star Wars games. Uh-huh. Um, at least. At least for a while, there it was before it was kind of after the big Wii craze, but at the same time, when Star Wars hadn't really had a chance to distinguish itself on the Wii yet, but it had on the DS. Right. Well, but yeah, uh, Masters of Terrace Kasi. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, that's okay. Um, I mean, look, yes. that's the thing is when you when you talk about this, you, you have to go into more than just the specific game. I mean, we're, we're talking about the history of the game, the the genre, you know, the the interesting mm-hmm. fact that there's not been a whole lot, you know, like we said, there's only been just a handful of fighting games. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, also, this was the first or at least one of the first, but I believe it's the first Star Wars game um, and, and probably the first game that was done on, on the original PlayStation game by LucasArts. Now, I know they did the... Um, uh, what was it? Ape Escape, which was like a massive hit. I'm I'm surprised that Ape Escape has not become a bigger franchise than than what it has. That's really bizarre to me, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, but the main thing about it now, granted, if you know, if you look at it now, uh, especially the actual in-game um, designs and stuff, it's not great. 
But for the time, it was really good, especially like all the cinematics and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they they did really well with a lot of the 3D work that other games just weren't really there, you know, that early. What's funny you mentioned that because I put it in uh, when I first went to go play it as we were getting ready for this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I stuck it in the player and so much stuff is going on with, you know, I've got phone calls coming up and I'm like running to get a drink or whatever. So I just put it in the system, forgot that the PlayStation 3 just automatically plays the disc once it's put in. So I I hear the music starting when I'm in the kitchen like, oh, sweet. Walk back in and I still haven't picked up the controller yet. So so the attract mode starts playing and – you know, Luke Skywalker going up against the the little the little remotes looks mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, Han it really and Chewie does. coming out into the hallway for for this era looked really good. Um, uh, the one thing that I did find about this that was it's always kind of brought a smile to my face. It's, it's just because it's just funny and goofy and just dumb. And what else were you going to do? Is the same thing that we see with any fighting game where they've got to give a reason for characters to be balanced, but also a reason for characters to be fighting at all. Like, um, you know, the the Injustice games uh, have a way of sort of drawing the heroes to opposite sides so that it makes sense for them to be fighting. And they've got the little green uh, pills that are designed specifically to bring everybody up to super strength so that it sort of makes sense that they're fighting. Uh, but they needed a reason for there to be a Star Wars fighting game. So the opening crawl says, After the stunning defeat and loss of the Death Star handed to the Galactic Empire, the Emperor demands drastic measures for a swift retribution against the Rebel Alliance. The Emperor calls upon the services of a mysterious young woman, Arden Lin, wise in the ways of an ancient and almost forgotten fighting art, known as Terrace Kasi. Under the watchful eye of Darth Vader, Arden Lin is assigned the duty of eliminating key members of the Rebel Alliance and thus neutralizing the thorn in the Empire's side. But the Alliance hears of this threat, and they prepare for battle. And thus, everybody beats the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah, Luke and Leia beating the crap out of each other, where I'm assuming he's just, he's he's like trying to prove to the rest of the galaxy that he really didn't like her or anything. Um, it's just weird. Like, some of the characters, it makes sense, like, like, whore. <laughs> I love that name. It's so effed up. It's almost as bad as when they came up with the Jedi Master soon baits, you know, the, the Jedi Master baits <laughs> purposely as a joke and it got into the comics. Um it just Whore and and uh Throck, I guess the guy's name. Um the uh the Gamorian or Thok, I guess it's not an R, Thok. Um they're said to be trained by Arden Lynn, so it makes sense why they would be in there. They're kind of like her henchmen, I guess. Um, and they've done all kinds of awesome background for Arden Lynn. I mean, putting her back, at least in the Legends continuity. Right. Um, putting her into the scenario of the First Great Schism, her and Zendor, the Legions of Latau, uh, how that all plays out. And she winds up with a Mordecai thing happening, and she winds up essentially asleep for about 25 millennia until eventually awakening. They weave her into the backstory of what goes on in the TIE Fighter video game with uh, uh, with the, the insurrection or the uh, the – the rebellion that's going on, the mutiny that's going on, so to speak, and then um, managed to basically give her uh, eventually an out of being killed uh, right around the time of the Emperor Reborn stuff in the Dark Empire comics. Um, they've done all kinds of crazy stuff with her that makes it feel like this game and and some aspects of it really are kind of spread throughout Star Wars lore and the Legends continuity. But the key story point of everybody fighting each other still is kind of that tongue in cheek. We, we, we couldn't come up with a good reason. 
we don't know why Han and Chewie are beating the crap out of each other outside of Solo. Um, we don't really know. <laughs> right. But yeah. it'll be fun. It's very you know, shaky. That sort of thing. Well, and my thing, too, is because, you know, I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, so now is it that they've entered into this contest or is it just that they're fighting? Because I feel like it's a little unclear on that. It's weird. It's it's not really because they're preparing, right? It's all about preparing. So there's two other ways they describe this. So the guide or not the guide, the instruction manual says. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Empire is sent reeling from the loss of the Death Star. The Emperor has ordered swift and severe retribution against the Rebel Alliance. His subversive and covert method of hurting the Alliance, Colin, the feared and effective young assassin Arden Lin. A student of an ancient and almost forgotten fighting art known as Terrace Kazi, Arden is a clever threat. Under the watchful eye of Darth Vader, Arden must terminate key members of the Rebel Alliance and thus ease the pain of the Empire's loss. The Alliance learns of this plan and decides to meet the challenge head on. And then the guidebook, let's see here, says, uh, let's see. When they destroyed the Death Star, Luke Skywalker and the forces of the Rebel Alliance scored an important victory in their struggle against the Empire. However, a war comprises many battles, and the Empire still has plenty of fight left. The Emperor and Darth Vader have called upon Arden Lin, a renowned assassin schooled in the art of Terras Kasi. Terras Kasi, or Steel Hands, is an ancient martial art that developed around the time the Order of the Jedi Knights was established. And, much like the Jedi, those who practice Terras Kasi also utilize the Force, but with a malevolent bent. Arden Lin's mission is to eliminate key members of the Alliance's... Excuse me? Arden Lin's mission is to – I tried to do the it, – it, it's the 90s and like like retrospective stuff, so I was trying to do the uh, Micro Machines guy. Yeah, that's what that was. Um, Arden Lin's mission is to eliminate key members of the alliance responsible for the Death Star's destruction. Having allied with the Galactic Empire's greatest champions, like whore, <laughs> uh, uh, she is ready to exact vengeance. Luke and the rebel forces accept the challenge of Arden Lin and her forces. In doing so, they move further toward their destiny. So – They've got this aspect where they're saying it as if it was like a challenge that has been accepted, that they prepared for deliberately, but they don't ever really say that there's like some kind of it's not like it's a competition, right? Um, so it's kind of weird. Um, it, it, but if you don't have the heroes fighting against each other at, in these random bouts, then you basically, out of the original eight characters, don't have that many instances of characters that your heroic player could fight against. Right. Unless you're playing just as, say, Arden Lin or Hor or Thok um, or Boba Fett versus the others. Um, it's a little bit weird in how they try to make this work. And they don't really say anything continuity-wise about, you know, there was a tournament or something. It's more just sort of she went after them and she eventually got defeated, etc. They kind of uh, gloss it over, sort of the S-canon type of approach being taken to it. Um, but I don't know, like, I, I would love to have seen somebody do this as a fan film or do this as, like, an animated thing where you'd have, you know, you have, like, Palpatine up there doing his best uh, uh, Shang Tsung, like, <laughs> it has begun! <laughs> you know? Um, that sort of thing, you know, Terrace Kasi, something like that. Um, like really just go all out with it. And instead it was kind of this weird, timid sort of, we know that with Star Wars, it's the, it's the 1990s. It's six years into the Legends continuity or the official continuity at the time, the expanded universe. People expect things to fit together, but we still already kind of know that games may or may not fit. It, games are just kind of the, a thing unto themselves. So we're going to give you a game. That has a way that it sort of fits and has at least some backstory to why the heck it's happening. Doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense, 
and we'll leave it to Leland Chi and and people like that and people like Abel Pena and so on um, to eventually find a way to to weave some of this stuff in. Um, it's just an it's just an oddity when taken mm-hmm. just as a game. It's odd, but kind of fun to play around with it. Clunky as it is, right? Taken from the perspective of all of Star Wars and and the Legends continuity and that sort of thing, it's one of these times where you're just like, we pretend that didn't happen. It's kind of like Yoda stories, right? We pretend it didn't happen. It's okay, <laughs> that kind of thing, because it's just so strange. I mean, Han and Leia beating the crap out of each other. Um, it's just. Yeah, I mean, from from that aspect, but I do think that there is some cool stuff here. Now, one thing that you just mentioned, I actually had to look that up to double check. Um, in fact, I, I'm wondering if, if that's not uh, sort of a, a, a nod. Basically, uh, and it have to be. Now, you said that the uh, Terrace Kasi means uh, steel hand. Is that right? At least according to the guide, although I would think it would be like transparent steel hand. Or something. <laughs> well, so here, here's the thing. Uh, Iron fit. I'm sorry. Let me say this backwards. Tekken in Japanese is Iron Fist. And... Oh man, that first season wasn't that good. Oh, you're talking the game. So anyhow, uh, and there's a lot of similarities. I'm wondering if some of the team from uh, Tekken had came over. Uh, to work on this game or what? That's something that I, if I would have known about before just now, I would have looked into. But anyhow, so I'm looking at the uh, the other book too, and and this is just interesting. Like I said, from a, a histor a historical standpoint, um, talking about uh, it, it, not the the guy that you have, but the you know the little book insert. It actually says uh, when talking about Arden Lynn, says a Palawan warrior. From the time of the Jedi, which I thought was very interesting. I mean, it's one letter off from being Padawan. Well, she's a follower of Palawa, which is what the the in-universe rationale is, which, you know, interesting, though, that, you know, if you use Palawan as an adjective, it is pretty close. And this is 97. This could have been Lucas saying, hey, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Just like he eventually was like, hey, Ayla Secura, she looks neat. Hey, Quinlan Voss, he doesn't need a personality. Let's let's put him in. Yeah, see, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I was wondering if, um, uh, you know, that was sort of a, a Lucasism or something where he was just trying to grab something and then he's like, oh, I kind of like that, but let's change it a little bit or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, the, the timing is is right on for when mm-hmm. he would have been working on it. So I, I just, I don't know, I thought that was really, really interesting. <laughs> You just imagine if you remember the uh, the documentary The Beginning, which is on the DVD release of Phantom Menace. Um, one of the, the one of the most iconic moments is when he sits down at his desk and says, "All I need is an idea." Mm-hmm. You imagine him saying, "All I need is an idea," and then he picks up his PlayStation controller. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was. I was literally <laughs> just thinking like, the same thing. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking, like, "Oh, what do I call him?" And he just like picks up Masters like, of Terrorists. <laughs> Rick, Rick, get in here. You got to go in there, Rick. You can't say no to the boss, man. And then that stuck, of course, too. Um, well, I do like the fact that – and it's something that – I don't think I've actually seen all of these myself because, I mean, unless you turn on certain certain cheats and whatnot, it's really kind of a tough game because of how clunky it tends to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not hard in the traditional sense of feeling like the, the computer is way more skilled than you are so much as it feels that like the computer is able to actually input its commands. 
<laughs> when you not, not always are yeah, able to do I that. Yeah, I think the AI um, is incompetent in its strategy, but competent in its uh, execution of the... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you do get to the end, just like most fighting games, you have different endings for the different characters, although most of them are just kind of they fly off into the sunset. Right. It is kind of neat that they didn't just go for sort of a what would be an in-universe way to end this and make it make sense with one cutscene kind of thing. They actually took the more traditional fighting game route and said, OK, well, each character is going to have some type of, of special ending for themselves. Um, I thought that was pretty along with the fact that I mean, and I mentioned this earlier. You start out with a game where you can only choose eight characters, and then you're able to unlock several along the way, even if they are similar in many cases, like the diff- the two different Leia's, the Johto cast with Boba Fett. But Mara Jade being a playable character, that was kind of a big deal for its time. Yes, um, I, I remember. I remember that because I so I didn't know about it until I was um, I went to the grocery store with my mom. And so, of course, every time I went to the grocery store, I'd go over to the little uh, little magazine slash comic book section, and I would just read something until she was done grocery shopping. And I saw on there that they had the, um, you know, they, they were talking about it or whatever, and they, they were talking about Mara Jade could be I'm like, what? I'm like, I own this game. I need to do this. So I remember going and getting... Uh, her to give me a, a pen and little sheet of paper out of her purse so I could go and like write down what I needed to do to get Mara Jade. Get the power! Nintendo power! Yes, this was the era in which you were not a, you were not a gamer if you didn't either buy a bunch of guides at the store, at the grocery store, to tell you how to do things in games or didn't subscribe to something like Nintendo Power. <laughs> Well, I guess I wasn't um, a gamer because I just took pieces of paper was, and pins from my mom's purse. <laughs> it was just—it's it, just funny because we think back to this, and um, like I guess part of it is because this was still the era in which the arcades were still where you would see a lot of the more competitive fighting games debuting. Um, because I think about the fact that you know you think to when Street Fighter Two, for instance, as sort of like a seminal moment in fighting games, um, hit arcades originally. Being able to know how to do the different moves was a huge deal. Same thing with Mortal Kombat. If you knew how to do a finishing move in Mortal Kombat, you were a god at the arcade. Um, but at the same time, that also meant that you know a lot of times our home ports of games or games of a similar vein wouldn't have that kind of information just given out freely. Um, I'm trying to remember the first game that I ever played where they actually had the move list built into the game. Um, it may have been like a later port, maybe of Street Fighter Three or something. Um, it's just interesting that we, we are now to a point where maybe it's just the fact that the internet has made it so that that kind of information is readily available at your fingertips without having to pay for a subscription or a magazine. Right. So why bother hoarding the information? Why not just put it within the game itself? Um, but it's just an interesting shift that it that it used to be like a secret knowledge that would get you the victory as opposed to it being the ability to, you know, kind of prep by actually looking at the moves and understanding how they work. Um, like, like these days, one of the, one of my favorite fighting games to play, although I don't get to play it nearly as much as I'd like, um, is the killer instinct, the current killer instinct that's been being, that's been evolving for years on the Xbox one. Um, and I mean, if, if I didn't have a character screen that I could pull up that tells me the moves, I wouldn't be able to remember half of it because there's so freaking many characters. 
that are available. You know, like we as rosters have expanded and the games have become more of a home thing with as the Internet has risen also. It's like the whole idea of this is a secret has sort of disappeared. And now it really is more a question of of skill or if you play online of uh, middle schoolers throwing racial epithets at you. Oh, well, yeah, there's that, too. Um, so, yeah, like, like I said, the, uh, you know, that was really cool with, um, the, the unlockable characters, um, Mara Jade, Johto cast, which was, I believe that was the first I'd ever heard of him. I'm like, who is this guy? He's Boba Fett, but not Boba Fett. There's more Boba Fett's like, what is that? Um, Somebody's had a Boba fetish. Yeah. So that was really interesting to me and, and sort of, you know, uh, continued to spark my interest in Star Wars. And, um, uh, you know, on top of that, I mean, what do you think? So, I mean, I would say the, in in a way, the main character, even though there's not a main character, um, but the, well, let's say the, the titular character is um, this uh, Arden Lynn. What do you think of her? I think that she was a character that, I mean, just for the game itself, you're just kind of like, wait, what? It's kind of like, what if uh, Mara Jade dyed her hair and got a robo-arm? Essentially, is kind of what it seemed like at the time. Um, but that was just seeing the character kind of in the background. Because, again, I didn't play it when it first came out. Right. Um, over the year, by the time I actually wound up playing it, they had built up this storyline behind her. And it's actually pretty interesting to me. It's pretty cool that we have a character here that really – could have been just a throwaway fighting game character just to give us a villain so it's not necessarily Vader, although you do fight Vader in it anyway. Right. Um, but but it wasn't just, okay, here's this weird character. She's got a droid arm, cybernetic arm, whatever. Um, they actually tied her into some of the most important shaping events of ancient Star Wars history. I mean, the game itself has her you know, being asleep, being essentially in this force trance kind of thing, um, force coma almost. Uh, for millennia, but didn't really give much detail as to her earliest days. And then as it got built up by people like Abel Pena, Dan Wallace, and so on, uh, eventually getting to the point where she is one of the Emperor's hands. They took the Emperor's hand idea for Mara Jade and built it up to this idea that there were multiple Emperor's hands like Merrick Steele, and Arden Lynn became one of them. Um, it's a fascinating character now. Um, that's that's really interesting to learn about because learning about her means learning about like early Jedi and Sith history, the first great schism and that sort of thing. Um, it doesn't really come across in the character in the game because it didn't exist at the time, you know? Right. Um, but for me, it's cool to see her because when I play the game, it's not who is this Arden Lynn? It's, oh, cool, it's Arden Lynn, right? Because I know mm -hmm. something else. Whereas it's still, for me, Thawk? I'm sorry. <laughs> Announcer, did you just call him whore? <laughs> right um and it's just like no it's like it's like it's it's the fight at the brothel if you play you know same character and same character whore versus whore no that's not the way it's supposed to work um but for arden lynn herself i think she turned out great I, and they've even got a little bit of background that they've been given to thok and to uh um whore so that they could actually be essentially one the characters that she trained and so on so that it sort of makes a little more sense that they're there but they haven't really got much development i feel like if they had developed them a little bit more i'd probably wouldn't look at them as a scans as i do as opposed to just feeling like oh they just wanted some other character models and just threw in a random gamorian and a random tuscan and threw some names on them um while well, apparently somebody was drunk um, <laughs> right 
but Arden, I think, I think works works well, and she plays fairly well. Of all the characters, she's a pretty solid character to play with in the game. Yeah, I just thought she was a little more boring um, compared to, you know, Thok, who can breathe fire. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about from a from a character perspective, from a, yeah. a, a no, I know. I, I, yeah, now she is. Um, um, it's interesting because you want to play as the good guys most of the time. You know, it's interesting that the character that we get here that is newly developed is the villain, and there's no attempt at all really made to give us an original heroic character to fight alongside the heroes, to maybe say that's the principal protagonist and the others are kind of along for the ride, so that even, you know, in the big picture of, of the continuity, they could have said, well, you know, he's the person who really went up against Arden Lin, or she's the one who really went up against Arden Lin. Um, the fights between the heroes and each other or the heroes and her really were that they were just supporting him or something, like an easy way to sort of shoehorn it in. See, I personally um, like that because, I mean, every time they do that then everyone's just like oh that's a carbon copy of this character i'll see i was thinking that the other side of of what they did for instance with galen merrick who also by the way was in a fighting game we we didn't mention the fact that you know soul caliber four that is true yeah. yoda and galen merrick and, and vader depending on which version um but it was always the oh well here's this character why are they so overpowered and then where did they go right, right. like unless they die how is this super powerful character who's playing in this fighting game with all these abilities? How is this not a major player in the new Republic or in mm -hmm. the, the rebellion, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but even then, I mean, Arden Lynn kind of disappears until they find ways to work her backstory into other stories and the idea that she dies at the hands of the emperor reborn. It wasn't like she got a, a nice powerful send off, especially since in most of the you know, modes as you're playing, uh, Vader is who you're going after as your final um, opponent. So it's not as though, at least I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I played a full game through as opposed to a few matches. Um, so it wasn't like she was the big bad. She was just sort of the mover and shaker that the story focused around. Right, right. And like I said, I, you know, obviously this game is, it's a little bit cheesy, but uh, it's it's one that I, I still look at fondly, you know, where I'm like, yes, I, I see the game for all its faults, but I really like a lot about it. And that's one of the things that I really like um, is is how it sort of ties into uh, or, or I guess not how it ties in, but how legends would sort of weave things uh, into it, you know, where it wasn't just really forgotten that, um, you know, they, they found ways to to sort of, you know, bring these characters back and, and flesh them out more. Um, Thok is a bit ridiculous, but um, I thought horror was actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that's the uh, the gaffy stick mm -hmm. basically can fire, I guess it's a poison. It's, like a, it's called the gaffy gas attack. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's something we should talk about just from the standpoint of the game mechanics here. Um, if you're looking into this game, it, it plays more like uh, it seems to play more like a Street Fighter than it did a Mortal Kombat to some degree, except on certain moves. In other words, um, when you're doing the deliberate controls, you can still roll as opposed to it just looking for specific directions being pointed. Um, like instead of down forward, it's you know kind of the down, down forward, forward as like a rolling motion. Um, but a lot of the mechanics that you see in fighting games today, this game had that at the time were still relatively early in their development. Things like um, the power bars. You know, down at the bottom, you have four different levels of uh, power that can build up kind of like a super meter in the Street Fighter games to let you do certain abilities that cost certain amounts of that. Now, 
the game tells you nothing about that, really. And the instruction manual doesn't really do a whole lot of good in explaining that either. But, like, the guide does a great job. You know, it's basically a yoga fire motion with the circle button, if, or, or I guess <laughs> yoga flame, excuse me, not yoga fire. Yoga flame, which is the uh, 180 degrees from back to forward circling around the bottom uh, and hit circle. And if you got two power bars, not things to eat, but two bars of power on the bottom, <laughs> you can use the gaffy gas attack, you know. Um, it's one of these games you really needed the guy, like, like playing it originally with just the instruction manual, I remember being frustrating. Playing with the guide, it at least felt like if I could get the timing down, I could be competent. Right. Um, but that's kind of a big, having the power bars at that point, um, and just really trying to come up with ways to make these characters into fighting characters. I mean, it's it's one thing to have the characters just do whatever they need to do on screen, but it's another to say, okay, what is this punch button specifically going to look like for this character? Because um, there's two punches, two kicks, um, sidestepping left and right, um, a run button, and then you've got your your weapon drawing and and uh, disarming type of a button. Um, but to figure out essentially what that would look like for each character in a way that's at least mostly seems like they're faithful to the characters, um, and to have that be for two different move sets because at least about a quarter to half of the moves for each character change depending on whether your weapon is out or not particularly with the lightsaber wielding or staff wielding characters. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive for the time to, to be able to do that with the Star Wars characters. I mean, it didn't get a lot of of positive reviews at the time. It still doesn't. <laughs> right, but, right. you know, it's 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 almost like it reminds me in a lot of ways of Battlefront 1 to some degree, um, because I've always said a lot of the things that I had problems with with Battlefront 1 that bothered me, and I'm talking about the modern Battlefront 1, um, is the engine that it was in mm -hmm. that it, that the engine had limitations that I that I didn't particularly like, and that that colored the game. I I wonder if a lot of what what drives people away from this game is less about the actual game itself or its own mechanics, so much as the engine that was used to create it in the first place. And I'm not sure what the origin of that engine is. If it was created just for this game specifically by LucasArts, or if they were using something else that had been previously developed. Um, but if the engine was smoother. I don't think this game would have nearly as bad a rap as it does. Oh, because no, when you look at, at it on its yeah. face, on its face, I mean, it's a pretty solid fighting game. It's just mm -hmm. when you actually, you know, start to play it. Right. That it's it's clunky. Right. Yeah. It's I, like doing – it's like I tell my students about doing graphs in Microsoft Word. You can do it. It's clunky. You might as well just do that on paper. So <laughs> basically, what you should do is just get a um, – a version of the game on the computer, like a um, emulator or something, and then just make a macro for all the moves, and then it'll be a really fun game. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that reminds me of, of there are modes on some fighting games now where basically you press a direction button and press another button, and it does a super move instead of you actually having to input it. Right. So. Right. So I don't know. Last last fight again that I played against another human being was me and my wife playing uh, one of the Marvel games. I think it was, and she was playing as a character with a gun and kept shooting me from across the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. So the I mean I think we've we've basically talked about everything except there's uh, one thing I wanted to mention just real quick, um, and and two things on that is the alternate costumes uh, when when picking the characters you have you get alternate versions of them. And which has been pretty common with uh, fighting games since fighting games. Um, and some of them, I think, are, are pretty good because it's like, okay, you know what? 
that is, you know, like, uh, all right, you have the Bespin Luke or you have the, um, the Jedi version of Luke. Or, you know, you have a New Hope Han or you have the um, uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back Han. And then it, it starts to kind of like drop from there where it's like, okay, you get, you know, Boosh Leia with uh, helmet on or helmet off. And then it gets all the way down to Thok is a little bit yellow, <laughs> you know? Or no, I'm sorry, he's a little bit red. He's embarrassed by his buddy's name. Right, right. So it's just like, we're not even trying. Just just change the color just a little bit, whatever. <laughs> and that little palette swap kind of thing, uh, but not much of a swap. Um, but again, to their credit, though, you're unlocking characters instead of paying for them. You're getting the alternate color schemes when you just play same character against same character as opposed to it being a uh, uh, character skins that you have to pay for. I mean, we're way before that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you could play, you know, similar characters against each other. I haven't even tried it in ages. Um, I mean, that's kind of a big, deal. I mean, you couldn't even do that in the original street fighter uh, or sorry, the original street fighter two. Um, they had to do, I think they added the official way to play same character versus same character. Once champion edition came out, which is one of the first, in fact, I think the first of the updates to it. I'm not sure if there was one, an intermediate in Japan, but I don't think so. I'll have to play that 30th anniversary edition the millionth time I bought it again. Yeah. Um, but it's it's nice. And I'd love to see this kind of idea come back. I don't think that EA these days have the guts for it or the nerve for it. Um, which is funny because we'll put Star Wars onto any kind of clunky, goofy mobile game. Uh, but find an established genre and put star wars in. i mean can you imagine a star wars game done with the fidelity to the characters and storytelling as something like injustice gods among us that would be insane even if they have to label it as infinities it's an alternate universe which is exactly what injustice gods among us did it's an right. alternate universe but it's amazing mm-hmm. um and the storytelling in the game is fantastic but you don't see many teams other than nether realm necessarily doing it but I mean, surely the pro- the premise could be done, but I don't know that they would have the guts to do it because, I mean, you thought, you know, here we're going to make Battlefront games was a big deal because they'd always be compared to the old Battlefront games. You know that they'd be mocked with Terrace Kasi like mad just for even considering the idea for a-, a modern audience for a Star Wars fighting game. Yeah, I mean, true, but, I mean, how is that any different than what's going on right now? I mean, they've... They've pretty much dug themselves such a hole, and and I know, you know, we've we've gotten feedback that we're super negative um, on the uh, EA and you know the, the Battlefront or whatever, and and I'm and I'm not even talking about it from uh, a standpoint of of bashing the game itself, but the the image that they have is at this point it's so negative that. You know, I don't know that they could really go much lower. I think anything that they do, so long as it's something sort of new or unexpected, I think could only grant them, uh, you know, praise, I would think. And especially, I mean, I would think now you would be able to do it in such a way. I mean, you could do, I, I, <laughs> I'm a, one of those things where you sort of imagine a world and you're not certain if it's a utopia or a dystopia. Um, I think about the other fighting game that I said I still had for the PlayStation 1 that I could still play on the PS3, which is that Street Fighter, the movie, the game, where it was digitized actors 
um, (laughs) playing those roles. And I think about, I mean, we have Kira talking about how she was trained in Terrace Kasi by Dryden Voss in Solo. Um, in, we're, we're seeing instances of like even something like Forces of Destiny, these little, meh, pointless animated stories for a product line that died on the shelves are getting the actual actors and actresses from the films in many cases or the TV shows to reprise their roles for voices. Could we not see the potential of a digitized uh, or mo-capped uh, performance for a game like this, for like an Injustice Gods Among Us Star Wars style, um, where we actually have, for instance, you know, maybe Alden Ehrenreich coming in and doing the performance for Han for a game like that. I mean, there's so much potential there. It's going to take a special kind of crazy or a special kind of bravery to be willing to face the mocking of saying we're going to do a Star Wars fighting game and let it come out and make it something special like an Injustice Gods Among Us or the the rebooted Mortal Kombat that really has the ability to grab people's attention again and say this is kind of a whole new era. It can't be like what happened basically with Marvel versus Capcom with Infinite. It can't be something where it feels like hopes were built up and we got something mediocre, nor can it be like it was with Terrace Kasi where it was sort of hopes building up and then over time people kind of realize, wow, this is not that great at all. Although, you know, Game Informer gave it a 6.75. <laughs> um, it's just, you, you it, it, it's, it's almost like there's a stigma attached to the very idea of a Star Wars fighting game. Like it's never been done well enough to make people believe the premise is even viable. Right. And I'm not sure that that's a fair, a, a fair assumption to make. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous because like I said, it, where it wasn't super popular, I remember, you know, right going as I was going into to college, the um, episode three game just like hanging out at uh, friends duplex, and we were all just playing that nonstop against each other and and just having fun with it. You know, I I think that there's enough in Star Wars that you could you could make that, and you know, I would love something like this. I you know, the thing about that is that it was mostly just Jedi. And and Sith characters that would fight against each other, uh, as far as I remember. But with the thing that I like about this is that you have different styles. You know, um, you have mm-hmm. these different characters that you can pit against each other. And to me, that's very interesting. Instead of just you know lightsaber battles, essentially. Um, so I would I would love to see something like that. Um, cause I think you could actually make just a fun little thing where, you know, you could have like a, a veteran clone, you know, who's they're they have their own thing. So they don't look just like a regular clone. Um, you know, you could have uh, a bounty hunter and, you know, different character types and, um, you know, have them actually have different fighting styles and stuff. I I think that uh, that could be great. And the thing is, they could probably do it fairly cheaply. Um, I mean, you don't even have to do uh, something where it's like your your premiere release, AAA title type of thing. It's something that you could probably make. Um, you could probably just use someone else's game engine um, and then just, you know, work off of that put the skins on there or whatever and just release it on 
you know, the PlayStation Network or something like that, and and people could pay twenty bucks and, uh, you know, just have it on there and play it. I'm waiting for when they use the game engines that give you essentially the the characters that are like analogs for other games. So, like you have a maybe a sword wielding character in a different game, so we just reskin that as Luke and that sort of thing. Um, but what I'm waiting for is the Scorpion analog Jar Jar, where he lashes out with his tongue and is like, "You're like it's over here." <laughs> You know, I mean, but that could almost work. It's weird. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I know work. you said that as a joke, <laughs> but I actually, honestly, kind of want that. Ah, <laughs> uh, and we end, I guess, or, or we wrap things up on a. I'm not sure if that's a hopeful note or not. Yeah, well, I, I don't we, know. We've certainly put a new image in people's minds when they think of Star Wars and fighting games, though. Well, you know, the thing is, you say you say Scorpion, though, but uh, if you're familiar with Mortal Kombat, there was actually Reptile, who that's what he did. He would actually pull his mask off, and then he would lash his tongue out. And uh, Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So um, that might be a little, little too violent for Jar Jar, but I could do a variation. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. As long as you can do a finishing move on him. Right, right. That's you know. I think it's fun. I, I think that that's something that needs to be worked out, and or at least you know, look. It doesn't have to be triple A title, but you know, maybe something. See, now my mind's working. Like, an, you have an alternate version of Jar Jar that's like a palette swap, but his voice changes from Ahmed Best to B J Hughes, and you get extra points for shutting him up. Well, or do it like this, where it, it doesn't have to necessarily be Jar Jar, but it can be a Gungan. You know, so you can have. You can flesh him out how you want. You can have him a little bit more uh, gritty, but then you can also have like some of the annoying stuff too. <laughs> Boss Nass as Macho Man Randy Savage, right? <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like it. All right, man. Well, I think that's all that we have to say on Terrace Kazi. Um, we got a full hour out of that. So you know, I love doing these where we just. Uh, go back. We do the the retrospective on an old game. I don't know what our listeners like, so maybe tell us. You know, did did, did you prefer this to us talking about Battlefront? You know, what's going on new in Battlefront or with Fantasy Flight games every week? Write in and tell us. You know, you can uh, always send us an email to cloudcitycasino at gmail dot com or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Just Cloud City Casino at both of those locations. Uh, or we have our, our personal Twitters. Um, I'm at Morris Isley. Um, but l- let us know. And and if you do like this, if you do want the retrospective, maybe tell us some games you would like to see us tackle. Um, I'm, I'm sure people... I, I would think that most people would want us to do Knights of the Old Republic. That one's going to be a little more involved, I think, because I need to really go back and, and put a lot into that game. Um to to talk about it the way that I feel like it needs to be talked about, but uh, super bombad racing. Yeah, dude. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I'm I'm down yeah. for. It. I would super bombad racing. Uh, the episode one pod racer. Like yeah. I I have such a fondness for those. Uh, did you ever play Star Wars Demolitions? Yeah, yeah. It's that, been a long time, but yeah. I I have that game for um, Dreamcast, and I, I love Star that Wars game. Car Wars, basically. Yeah, it's. I'm trying to remember because it's been a little while, but I think it's closer to like, uh, was it Vigilante Eight? Was the game? Dude, I don't even remember. Yeah, but anyhow, point being, you know, be it uh, you know a popular game or, or, or well loved game or, or one of these little niche ones, 
write in and let us know. And, um, you know, if that's something you want, then, then we can tackle that. Or if you're like, no, shut up and just complain about Battlefront more. More, more Death Star rants. <laughs> then I guess that's what we'll do. Uh, Nate, where are some of the places people can find you? All right, well, um, you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash chronoradio for things like from the Star Wars Home Video Library, my Fantasy Flight Games reviews as new items get released for the various games uh, that they have from the Star Wars franchise, Nate's favorite deck building games, if you're into those types of games that aren't within Star Wars. Um, you can find my Star Wars Timeline Gold's final edition uh, over at starwarsfanwars.com slash timeline. It's done, um, but the newest release came out within the last couple of weeks, so if you haven't checked it out since... Uh, last year's release was the most current one. There is a new one available there. Uh, you can find my book, A Saga on Home Video, a fan's guide to U.S. Star Wars home video releases on Amazon. I'm hard at work on taking color pictures for a second edition due in maybe 2020-ish. Um, and, of course, I can also be heard with Mark Herleman when we have time to record on uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films, which is right alongside Cloud City Casino on StarWarsReport.com. So that's going to be it for this week. And... Never forget. Lip
Or No, sorry. Let the Wookiee win. Or he'll call your mother a whore. H-O-A-R. I really want to know who approved that name. <laughs> right? <laughs> I imagine it was George. George's like, huh, yeah, he was a whore. It's funny. <laughs> the announcer recorded the name so it could be used for the intro to every fight. It's not I like know. they didn't know how it'd be pronounced. I know. It's the best. <laughs> oh, man, the 90s were awesome. This party's over.